Hello everybody and welcome to Don't Burst My Bubble with your host, me, Josh Ascroft. So welcome everybody, this is the very first episode of the show. Today's episode, we have T-minus 10 days until NBA basketball returns on July 30th. We'll be discussing Frank Vogel's award opinions, talking about LeBron and AD. What have NBA players been doing in the bubble so far? And the hot off the presses NBA release rosters for this Orlando restart, whereas previously they hadn't really been telling us much, which I'll get into. And also I'll briefly be talking about my pick for the 90 out west. Before we get into that, what is this podcast? So, Don't Bust My Bubble is your number one stop for daily news, updates, and commentary from the NBA Orlando bubble. I'm Josh Ascroft. Uh, I'm a student at the University of Michigan. I am an associate producer for the Big Ten Network on campus. I'm British. I live in America, and I am obsessed with basketball. Basketball is my absolute favorite thing in the entire world. I have been actually dying without it during this uh, coronavirus uh, restart, this little hiatus that's been happening. And if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you probably have been dying for basketball too. So I'm very excited to be starting this project. You can follow us on Instagram. You can look up Don't Bust My Bubble. You can look up Josh Ascroft. You can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter. All links to these will be in the description. Please tell your friends about the podcast. I'm really excited about it. I'm going to be recording daily new episodes every single day. All the information you're going to need about the NBA restart. We're talking if players have tested positive. We're talking about if the snitch hotline has been used. We're talking about day-to-day games, what's happening, and everything in between. So stay tuned. This is Don't Bust My Bubble. Okay, things off. Let's talk about Frank Vogel and his opinion on NBA awards, these end of regular season awards, which have now been announced by the NBA that the eight seeding games that will be played in Orlando before the playoffs start will not be counted toward the award races. So with that being said, that means the season ended way back in March. We're going to have to think all the way back to then. And let's, let's listen to what Frank Vogel has to say. He said, and I quote, that... Nobody impacts winning more than LeBron James. He believes that he should win MVP. And I believe Anthony Davis should be Defensive Player of the Year, end quote. So, this is an interesting opinion. I mean, one that obviously a head coach of a team is going to have. It would sound kind of pretty silly if Frank Vogel came out here today and said, oh, you know what, I actually think that Giannis deserves the MVP. I think that his time with the Lakers would be limited and he might even be kicked out of the bubble if LeBron heard him saying something like that. And I understand the case, even if you're not talking as a Lakers fan. LeBron was sensational this season. He stepped it up on defense, which he had been lacking in the last few years. He was a great leader on the team. Uh, The Lakers were statistically a lot better with him on the floor. He absolutely runs that team. He's the point guard, which has been really exciting to see. But in my opinion, you just can't call him the regular season MVP. So let's break down the statistical case for Giannis. So let's talk about win shares. Giannis had 10.4 win shares this season. LeBron had 9.5, which is close, but Giannis had a whole win more than LeBron. That's definitely statistical evidence that Giannis impacted winning more than LeBron James, to use Frank Vogel's exact quote. If we talk about PER, Giannis had 31.6 PER this season. 
That is historical. In fact, it's never been done before. You could definitely, you know, count that as something that you consider as valuable for a player to have. LeBron had a PER of 26, which is still super high, but it's not 31.6, and it has been done before. And then finally, if you take a look at Vorp, Giannis has a 6.0, LeBron has a 5.7. Now, admittedly, advanced statistics aren't everything. You've got to pass the eye test too. But you're absolutely lying to me if you're telling me that Giannis doesn't pass the eye test. He was phenomenal all year on both ends of the floor. And here's the thing. I don't think LeBron should be rewarded because he picked up and started playing defense again this year. Giannis never stopped playing defense at any point. He's phenomenal and, in my opinion, should also win Defensive Player of the Year. No one's better than him on either end of the floor right now, in my opinion. I mean, you've got scorers, potentially, who are better. You can cite James Harden can probably score uh, better than Giannis can. He's probably got more skills in his bag than Giannis does, but that doesn't mean that Giannis wasn't the better player. It doesn't mean that he wasn't the more efficient player, and James Harden's really efficient a lot of the time. But Giannis is just phenomenal in the regular season. He can't be stopped. He led the Bucks to the best record in the entire league while having, I mean, you know, an all-star in Chris Middleton, all-star caliber player, but it's not Anthony Davis. It's not another potential MVP candidate. It's not another defensive player of the year candidate that LeBron has. And you can go way into this. You can talk about the Bucks have, you know, they have a better surrounding cast because LeBron, you know, traded away all of his pieces. Well, all of the Lakers' pieces, but really, let's be honest, they're his pieces. Traded all those away that, so he could secure Anthony Davis. But it's not like the Lakers have a bad team. And, you know, there, there are downsides to it. You've got an aging Rajon Rondo. You haven't got a whole ton of depth at the guard position. But you've got LeBron James, who is arguably the greatest basketball player of all time. If you're correct, he's the second. You have Anthony Davis, who is one of the league's most unstoppable forces right now and absolutely will be in the future as well. You've got Danny Green, who's a pretty lockdown 3 and D guy. You've got JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, who have been playing phenomenally this year. They've been fantastic. You've got Alex Caruso, who a lot of people like to joke about, but he's actually statistically a fantastic player. If you look at and uh, if you look at Alex Caruso's statistics with LeBron on the floor, those who are actually more productive than any other duo that the Lakers have, he's phenomenal. He's really good. I mean, admittedly, those are in limited minutes, but Alex Caruso is. You know, I think I heard uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer say earlier today that he is massively he's overreported but underrated at the same time. So you know, the Lakers definitely don't have the depth that. The Bucks have. They don't have that ideal surrounding cast, necessarily. But they have LeBron and AD. So, like, let's not act like LeBron didn't have some help this season. So, in my mind, Giannis is the regular MVP, the regular season MVP. That being said, though, I'm still picking LeBron James on my team if we're in the playoffs. I think that while Giannis has certainly improved from the season that he had the year before, which was also incredible, I still don't know if he's necessarily got what it takes to actually take the Bucks all the way to the championship. And obviously that's going to be really different this year than it would necessarily if we were in stadiums. I think potentially the pressure is actually going to be less. You're going to have people watching on TV, but when you're playing for the NBA championship and you don't have, you know, 10,000 or more fans screaming in the arena, 
it's going to be the exact same environment, essentially, every game. You're going to be playing in these ballrooms, in, in these halls, where they're going to do the best they can to make it look great on TV, but it's not going to be the same. Eventually, you know, we're going to have uh, families of players coming into the bubble. They're going to be able to go to games. Media's going to be at games, but it's not going to be the same. So who knows? Maybe Giannis has what it takes this year because we're just in completely, you know, unprecedented circumstances not to use that term as it's been used to death during this period. But I think that Giannis isn't quite there yet. He's getting there, don't get me wrong. He's only 25. People forget that. He's 25 years old. This league is going to be his, or at least a large portion of it is, for the next couple of years, or next decade, nearly. But right now, I think LeBron still has what it takes. He's got the experience, the maturity. He's still incredibly athletic. He's had months off to rest now, and some people argue that that's maybe not the best for a guy um, who's getting a little older like LeBron. It's sort of better for him to stay in a routine, but LeBron's been working out. It might take him a couple of games to get, you know, into game shape, but I'm sure he's going to be great, and I think that the Lakers probably have the best, maybe the second best odds of winning this whole thing. So we'll see. It would be great to see a Bucks lakers final. I'd be very interested in that, so we'll see. But for right now, Giannis is undoubtedly the regular season MVP. Please try and argue with me about this. I'd love to love to talk to you about why you think it isn't Giannis. Maybe you think it's James Harden. I don't know. But for me, it's Giannis. So we'll stick with that. LeBron, however, is still the better player right now. So what have players been doing in the bubble so far? It's a great, it's a great question because, you know, they're trapped in a, you know, not a small space by any means, but they're in their rooms. They can go outside, you know, a limited amount. They're on this campus... And God knows, these guys aren't used to hearing the word no. These are, for the most part, these well, the superstars anyway, all-star NBA players. They can get pretty much anything they want all the time. They're in a great position. They're multimillionaires. And to be told you have to stay in this confined space, I'm sure is going to be difficult for people. This is what Stephen Adams had to say on the matter. On his 27th birthday, no less, so happy birthday, Mr. Adams. He said, and I quote, Let's be clear. This is not Syria. It's not that hard. We're living at a bloody resort. Everyone is going to complain. Everyone has their own preferences. Nothing too serious. Just a bit of dry food here and there. End quote. I actually do agree with Stephen Adams here. For the most part, I think that it kind of goes two ways. Stephen Adams obviously is known as the strongest man in the NBA from New Zealand. Seems like a great guy. Also doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's usually very demanding and needs a lot to be content with his life. I read a story that during uh, the this break that we've had from the NBA, he was boxing out cows on his farm in New Zealand, and the, the cows are doing well, which we're very glad to hear about over here at Don't Burst My Bubble. But Stephen Adams isn't one to complain, and I, I totally understand what he's saying, and I do agree. I think that there, there are two arguments to the bubble. There are some people who are saying, this is awful. Like, can you actually imagine having to do this. This is four months away from families, away from friends, unable to leave a confined campus, not having the freedom to be able to go wherever you want, having very strict schedules and where you need to be, getting tests done, and all the, all, the, all that, kind of, that kind of thing. Which I think are very valid points. I think that certainly from a mental health aspect, this could be really challenging for players to deal with. I think that being away from families is certainly going to be strenuous, but families will be coming in at a certain point. Once we get to a certain point in the playoffs, 
Family members will be invited to come into the bubble. They'll be able to stay with players, which I think will be very interesting given the size of some of the rooms that we've seen uh, online. Hopefully, families will be getting their own rooms, you, you would hope. And then you also have the other side of the argument where people, sort of like Stephen Adams, are saying, well, how are they complaining? These are multi-millionaires. They have everything they could need. Food is brought to them. They're staying in nice hotels. They just have to play basketball. And I understand that point, too. I think that it's also a valid point. I am more on the side of this is going to be difficult, but I don't think it's impossible. And I think that it's kind of worrying that we've seen a couple of slips already in terms of some people aren't particularly happy to be following the, uh, following the rules. For example, Dwight Howard, uh, his view on the safety regulations were, I personally don't see a risk of us getting it during the time period we're here, the 34-year-old center said. Since we're here in this bubble, and we're the only ones here, and the staff and everyone is getting tested every day, I feel like we're safe. I think this is a potentially dangerous mindset that Dwight Howard has, and I think that he's actually going to be backed up, unfortunately, by the statistical data that's just come out. So we just found out today, just a few hours ago, that this week, from the 13th of July to the 20th of July, those seven days, players have been continuously tested every day, and not a single player in the bubble has tested positive for the coronavirus, which is fantastic. And the takeaway from that should be, wow, everything that we're doing is working. We absolutely should be diligent and keep on doing what we're doing. People need to be wearing masks. People need to be social distancing as much as possible because it's working right now. The Dwight Howards of the world, however, are going to argue and say, well, I haven't been doing that. And hey, look, everything's safe now. No one has it. So we should just be able to chill out, hang out, and kind of do whatever we want on the campus, at least for now. The issue with that isn't necessarily the players interacting with each other, the coaches interacting with them. The biggest issue is that the people in Disney World who are serving the players, we're talking about the cooks, we're talking about, I don't know, the guys who are being brought in to run the newly built NBA barbershops. People like that, the people who are cleaning the hotels, everything like that, those people are not quarantined in the NBA bubble, they are in Orlando, which is one of the biggest hotspots for the coronavirus pandemic in the world right now. And you don't know what those people are doing. You certainly hope that they're trying to stay safe, but what do they owe to the NBA, really? I mean, they're getting paid, but if, if they're going to be living their lives, they're going to be living their lives. So it's essential that if this bubble is going to stay unburst, if we're not bursting my bubble, so to speak, then the only way that that can be done is if people carry on following the guidelines and carry on listening to what's being said. So hopefully that continues to happen because right now the bubble is actually working exactly like they planned for it to work, which is great. It's fantastic news, and hopefully that means we're going to be able to see this entire season out. So great news on that front. Other than that, what have players been doing? They're fishing, playing cards, renting boats, streaming video games. Or even vlogging in the case of Matisse Thibel, the rookie on the 76ers. I highly recommend you check out his YouTube channel. It's so interesting. A real great inside look at everything that's happening. What the rooms look like. What the food looks like. What practice is looking like. It's great. Super well edited. He's doing it all himself. So hats off to Matisse. Big fan. Would love to have him on the show someday. That would be great. 
Right now, it looks like the uh, player's favorite place to hang out is a bar called Rick's Sports Bar and Grill, which is if you're from Ann Arbor, Michigan, it's not it's not the one here. Unfortunately, we do not have NBA players lining up outside the door at Rick's. This is Rick's R-I-X, which is in the uh, bubble, kind of close to where a lot of the, uh, the teams are practicing. And uh, according to ESPN.com, usually after 7 p.m., that place is absolutely buzzing at nighttime with coaches and players. I've heard that a couple of the other restaurants are becoming increasingly popular as well. Um, so that's great. It, it's good that players seem to be having some kind of normalcy. They're able to hang out with each other. And if they're having fun, that's kind of the most essential part of all of this is that the NBA needs to keep these players entertained because once they start getting bored is when rules are going to start getting broken, when they're going to start getting bent, and that's when you're going to start getting cases creeping in. And before you know it, this whole thing could blow up in their faces. So it's great to see the people are enjoying the restaurants that are available and they're not just having to have the airplane food, so to speak, that was being offered to them outside their doors during the quarantine periods. So that's really great to see. Hopefully they continue having fun. But I think the issue might come when the novelty wears off, when we're six weeks into this and players just want to go home. You know, we'll see how busy Rick's Sports Bar and Grill is then. However... Interestingly enough, despite the fact that seemingly everything is going well in the bubble, cases aren't going up. In fact, there aren't any new ones right now. Uh, Media access has been incredibly restricted. Initially, when media members went into the bubble, they were treated pretty much exactly as players were. They were able to go where players were going. They had the same exact passes. However, now, uh, media access has been heavily restricted. They're now using different lanyards for media members than uh, than players. So security staff are going to be able to really easily identify um, who's, a, who's a player, who's not. I mean, you might be able to think that that would be easy enough as it, as it was, but maybe, you know, for the Alex Caruso's of the world, they've got to have these stipulations in place. Because, uh, you know, maybe not everyone is as easy to tell who an NBA player is and who isn't. But I think it's definitely interesting. It definitely seems like the uh, the NBA is trying to keep their cards close to their chest. They're trying to balance the act of player privacy at the same time as being open. Because that's one of the things that the NBA has actually been really criticized on during the bubble. And they haven't been criticized all that much. But one of the main criticisms has been, well, hey, um, you actually haven't told us who's in the bubble. There are star players who are not currently accounted for. Uh, where are they? Are they going to be playing? Are they coming to the bubble? And I had had a whole segment planned out where I was going to talk about exactly that. I was going to talk about, wow, this could really affect sports gambling, which a lot of people have touched on. The fact that how are you going to bet on a team like Houston if Russell Westbrook and James Harden aren't even in the bubble? James Harden now in the bubble. And reportedly today by Tim McMahon, uh, Russell Westbrook is going to be joining the bubble also, despite the fact that he tested positive for the coronavirus. So he'll probably be quarantined, I'd imagine, until he can successfully um, test negative multiple times, and then he'll be able to rejoin the team. And then, But I had this whole planned out. I was going to talk about, wow, how can you possibly bet on a team without knowing what players are there? You, you really can't. But as of right now, the NBA officially announced the rosters of teams in Orlando. And other than players who have already said that they won't be playing, such as Avery Bradley... Uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, there's actually not really anyone too noticeable who's been left off the list. Um, 
there's a couple of players who are there despite the fact that they're injured, like the Mavs big man Dwight Powell, um, Jeremy Lamb for the Pacers is there, even though they're not going to play this summer. Uh, the only real ones of note, New Orleans, um, Darius Miller isn't going to be there. He's injured. Uh, Josh Gray isn't going to be there. Ryan Brokoff isn't going to be there for the Sixers. Uh, Gary Payton the second's not going to be there for the Wizards, but no one that you're worried about. We're not we're not missing a Kawhi. We're not missing a Paul George. We're not missing or soon to not be missing a Russell Westbrook. So I I don't know. It seems it seems like pretty good news. Everything seems to be on the up for the bubble at least for now. We've got players are testing negative. We've got all of our superstars are in the bubble or on their way. And potentially, we're about to gear up for NBA basketball just 10 days away. Incredibly exciting. Cannot wait. So, what's coming up? So, we've got games starting July 30th. But before that, we've got 5v5 scrimmages happening as early as Wednesday. This Wednesday, 22nd, NBA basketball is going to be happening. It's going to be available to be live-streamed on a couple of different local sports networks, I believe. Um, I know that an LA network will be covering the Lakers scrimmages. So who who can believe this? I truly thought that the NBA was going to cancel this season when it when it came to its uh, premature close. I thought there was no way this was going to be happening. I thought the idea of them going to Disney was pretty laughable. But hats off to them because they've actually done something really quite phenomenal by setting things up. I think that everyone must be working incredibly hard. Um, and hats off to the players, too, for giving away this chunk of their lives where they are going to be away from their families and they are going to be just going to work, really, the same the same as anyone else is trying to get to work during these pandemics. So hats off to everybody involved. Now, my pick for the nine seed in the West, a controversial topic, without a doubt. So you've got a couple of different options when you're talking about the nine seed in the West. Well, I, I say the nine seed. For those people who don't know, the way the, the restart is working, at least for, well, well, initially anyway, before the playoffs happen, the teams have eight seeding games that are going to be played. At which point, if the nine seed is within four games of the eighth seed, that unlocks a special play-in tournament between those two teams, which is a best of... Um, well, I guess it's not a best of necessarily anything, but essentially the way it works is if the eight seed wins game one, then they win, it's over, they get their place. The nine seed has to win two games. They win two games in a row, they win. That's it. They get the eight seed. So if you're a Memphis fan, you're probably a little bit nervous right now. Out East, who really cares? It's the Wizards without Bradley Beal, without John Wall, without Davis Bertans. The Wizards aren't really going to be doing anything. I think the East is pretty much locked in as it is. But in the West, you've got a good good couple of contenders. So obviously you've got Memphis sat in the eight seed right now. Who should they be most concerned about? So obviously the first option that probably comes to mind is the Pelicans because everyone wants to see Ja and Zion. Everyone's, everyone wants to make that comparison. There's outrage, no doubt, from some people that Ja will win Rookie of the Year, despite the fact that he obviously deserves it because Zion played in a handful of games when the season was coming to a close anyway. But people want to see that matchup, and I think the NBA probably wants to see it too because 
the NBA would love nothing more than for New Orleans to grab the eight seed and then have Zion versus LeBron as the first round in the playoffs. That is their absolute ideal outcome. However, Zion has left the bubble, which is news that came a few days ago. Zion had to leave the bubble because of a family emergency, which has not been expanded on anymore. Um, absolutely thoughts go out to his family. Hope that everybody is doing okay and that he's able to return to the bubble. Here's, here's the thing. You've got, a, you've got a couple of options here. So if Zion returns, when these seeding games are going on, that's great. They probably have a really good shot. I, I just don't know if Zion's going to be able to do it. I think that he absolutely should do whatever's best for his family first. I think that has to come first during this pandemic. I don't think there's any choice in that, really. Uh, the kid's in a really tough position. He's like the same age as I am. I can't even possibly imagine trying to figure all that out. Um, but even without Zion, earlier in the season, the Pelicans absolutely whooped the Grizzlies. They're just kind of a matchup nightmare for them in a lot of fronts. I mean, you've got a, a couple of, of good things. You've got Ja, who's obviously, he's for a rookie rookie standards, he's pretty unstoppable. Gets to the basket when he wants to. Great court vision. Jaron Jackson Jr., obviously great up-and-coming player. Can knock it down from outside the arc. Nice mid-range play. Uh, great, great blocking ability. And then, you know, Brandon Clark, Valanchunas. The Grizz have got a good squad, and that's why they have the eight seed right now. The Pelicans, though, you've got Brandon Ingram, who's been phenomenal all year. Derek Favors, Lonzo Ball, who's really come into his own on that squad. And they're just big. I think that's what the Pelicans really have, their advantage over the Grizz. They're just they're just big, and I don't know if the, the Grizzlies have what it takes to sort of square up to them physically right now. Uh, another option you have is the Trailblazers, who are kind of, in my opinion, the forgotten team of this year, and I had kind of ruled them out too. But the thing is, Yusuf Nurkic is coming back, and that is a huge deal for the Blazers. People need to remember that the Blazers were fantastic last year. Do you remember their playoff runs? You remember Damian Lillard waving off the Thunder, ending the Russell Westbrook era in Oklahoma City, forcing Paul George to reevaluate his entire life and move to Los Angeles with Kawhi. Damian Lillard is, I, I would argue, the most underrated superstar in the NBA. He's a walking bucket. He's so fast laterally. It's insane. His shooting's phenomenal. He can drive, good passer. Like, he's, he's just phenomenal. He's a, he's a great player, really carries the Blazers. CJ McCollum with him. Absolutely lights out from three. CJ is unreal. He had a shaky start uh, to the season, but hopefully he'll be able to come into Orlando swinging. And then the biggest, the biggest factor for the Trailblazers, which is an absolute game changer, is that Nurkic is coming back from injury. Nurkic and Dame last season were so unbelievably effective. It's it's actually crazy. So last season, Dame had about... Uh, when it was just Dame on the floor without Nurkic, the Blazers outscored their opponents by one point every 100 possessions, which is a solid NBA team. They did almost the exact same thing, slightly less points. It was, I think, 1.8 previously and then down to maybe 1.3 points per 100 possessions um, this season. 
So still great, you know, good team, given that it's being carried by one star. Last season, with Nurkic and Dame on the floor together, they outscored teams by 10 points per 100 possessions. This year, there was only one team in the entire league that did that, and that was the Bucks with Giannis. So, a 10 point per 100 like possession differential is huge. So hats off, I think, to the Blazers. Getting Nurkic back healthy, this is fantastic for them. Are you kidding me? Having this much time for Nurkic to recoup, regenerate, that's so good for them. Dame, Nurkic, pick and roll, I love that. I think that the Grizzlies are probably, you know, they have a better matchup for them than they probably do for the Pelicans. But they don't have the experience that Damian Lillard has. Like, no one on the Grizzlies is anywhere near the caliber player right now that Damian Lillard is. He is a superstar. Most of the time, he's an MVP caliber player. This is a man who is a walking 30 points a night. He's going to get there. You're not going to stop him. You're going to think that he's not going to pull up from there, and he's absolutely going to pull up from there. And you know what? He's probably going to make it, too. There's a reason they call him Logo Lillard. So I think that the Trailblazers, which is... This is a sentence I never thought was was going to be said. was never going to come out of my mouth. But the Trailblazers are actually my team that I think will not only get the 9 seed, but if they do get the 9 seed, I think they're going to take the 8 seed too. And you know what? If they take the 8 seed, I think they'd give the Lakers a good little run for their money. You can get Nurkic back into game shape. Lillard's looking good. CJ's doing well from the beginning. I don't see why they can't give the Lakers a run for their money. I'm not saying they're going to win, but take them to six? Sure, I see that happening. Totally. Why not? As of right now, the Blazers are three games back on the Grizz. They're currently sat in ninth. Pelicans one game further back from that. A couple of others. So you got the Kings and the Spurs. The Kings, I think, are they've got a really great young core in place. I really like Buddy Heald. I like De'Aaron Fox. I don't think they're getting the nine seed. I just, I don't personally see that happening. I mean, you can never truly count out the Spurs because Pop is obviously such a phenomenal coach. He has such a great record of getting his teams to the playoffs. But I think that that record is about to come to an end, unfortunately. I think, you know, don't count them out. They have great young players too. DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker. Uh, The Spurs could go young. They're just probably not going to. I don't know. It's probably going to be a DeRozan and Aldridge show, and I just don't see that working out for them as as much as they'd like it to, I'm sure. So I think the Trailblazers, they're taking the 9 seed. They're taking the 8 seed, unless we see something phenomenal from Jar, which I wouldn't dare rule out because he's been great all year. But I think the Trailblazers probably take that 8 seed. And I don't know how happy the NBA will be about that, but it's going to happen, I believe. And, you know, I think that would be great. I want to see Dame in the playoffs. He turns it up. It's Dame time. Always love to see that. He's so good. He's so electric to watch. Probably one of my favorite players to watch in the entire NBA. So I think that just about does it for our very first episode of Don't Burst My Bubble. Thank you so much for listening. I hope I get to speak to you tomorrow. I hope, thank you for bearing with me in this first episode too. I'm going to get better at this as time goes on. If you have questions for me, you can absolutely send them to me on Instagram, Twitter. I'd love to hear from anyone. I post every day on Instagram and Twitter with new news. 
this podcast is going to be uploaded daily to Spotify, to iTunes. Maybe I'll even start doing it on video uh, to put it on YouTube too. I'm going to have guests on the show. My friend Lauren Day from Game Day with Lauren Day, which is another great podcast you should check out, uh, will be coming on the show. A couple other friends going to be stopping by. Some people from Wolf TV will be stopping by also if you're a fan of that at Michigan. Wolverine Sports Night. Thank you so much for supporting this show also. But this has been so much fun. I love talking about basketball. Excited to see what news we're going to have in store to talk about tomorrow. On top of that, I'm going to be breaking down uh, the positions that teams are in right now. Give you a little recap of where teams were and what they're looking to do coming into this restart, coming into the playoffs. We'll probably be doing a couple of teams every day for the next 10 days. And then when NBA basketball starts, we are finally going to be able to return to our our classic, classic headlines of who's better, LeBron or Giannis, which I know I talked about today, but we're actually going to be able to talk about it with real live sports to back up our opinions. We're going to be able to see these guys who have had months off, guys who have probably, a lot of them might have got better over this time. John Morant put on 12 pounds of muscle. He's going to be better. A lot of young guys are going to have had time to work on their game, and it's just so exciting that the NBA is actually managing to pull this off. I couldn't be more excited. I'm going to be watching every single game that is available to me uh, on League Pass, on, on ESPN, on TNT, on ABC, on all of it. So if you want to be kept up to date, if you want to hear everything that's going on in the NBA bubble, well, I just hope that no one's going to burst my bubble, then subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends, and I will speak to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening.